go ahead and, and get started. This is the s- final to last. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, one more. Second to last. Yes, second to last. So let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. Lord, speaking, preaching, communicating, it's, it's an art that we need to learn, and we want you to help us, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time we were here, we were talking about the structure of it. Um, and there's, there's some questions that um, can help. So have you ever wondered how these big preachers come and they never use notes? You, you, they go and they're just preaching. They never come back, you know, and they never look back. And they're just, they just preach. So, so there's tips for that. Um, there's, there's ways that we can do that. And there's questions that kind of help us bring it together. So there's, let me see, one, two, three, f- there's four quest- five questions that kind of help you know where you're going. So you're, when you start preaching, uh, in, in the sermon, there's questions. Now, this is for you, for the person that's, you know. So in your, in your opening, you're, you're asking, how will I begin? So you start with that a story, questions, whatever you want, right? So you have it in your mind. You have it in your notes. You're, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, begin with, how will I begin? And what's my opening line? So what, am I going to start with a question? Am I going to start with a personal story, a story, whatever it is? You did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Relationships. Yeah. A message. Yes. Yeah. And but but the, actually that there you weren't here when I asked that. That there was my bullet, and you remember it still. You see how the effectiveness of the bullet was, and and and, and the the and I said it throughout the whole, and but then I ended with. They're messy, so why do it? And what was the answer? Do you remember? Jesus. That was it. That, that was the bullet. And, and you see how effective it can be because you still remember it. Um, so I, I began with a question and I tackled that question, tried to answer it. You know, I, I said, yeah, it's hard and all these things. I made my, my case. Uh, but then I also had this mind, how do I get to the, to the teaching? So I had my bullet, which was, let's take that one. Uh, you know, relationships are worth ma- uh, making. Why? Why bother, right? Because Jesus did. So the way I came about to kind of prove how do I teach this is by making a case. I kind of did all the things that, yes, people go through. You know, there's brokenness in relationships sometimes because of the family that you grow up in makes it hard to connect with people. There's people that have offended us. I mean, I, I kind of gave you all the things that, yes, it kind of... That's what, what I was trying to say. They're messy, right? Um, so that's the way I decided to do it, just b- building a case. And then that, I, I came and I took it, and, and so at the end was, what's my point? What's so, I know, relationships are messy, so what? Jesus did it. That was my main point. Jesus did it. No matter how broken, messy they can be, at the end, because Jesus did it, I also can do it. So that, that was my main point. So how am I driving it home and wrapping it up is the next question. And as you all probably heard it, it was Jesus did. That was my, 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 my hook. And then what's my final line? And you know it. That was my, I finished my sermon with that. Why? Answering the question why? Jesus did it. Boom. You know, I could drop the mic and leave. Um, so these are four questions that your message has to tackle. What do they need to know? Why do they need to know it? Many times, and this has been my mistake in the past, and, and sometimes as well, I tell you what the Bible says, but the person in the pew is like, why? What's that, why is that important to me? So we have to kind of tackle that question, letting them know, yes, Jesus says to love one another, but why? See, today's sermon, I, I, I probably missed it as, I, as I'm thinking about it. I, I missed it. The importance is it because if you can't forgive someone else, God won't forgive you. So I, I was hoping I, I did. So, so why was it so important? Because of that. So it says, what do they need to know? They need to know that they can also do it. 
I, I gave you examples of my own life and how God has worked. I gave you a story from Connie, uh, Connie Boom that, you know, she was able to do it. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of teared up. You, you, you kind of, you had to swallow there, right? Uh, because it touched you. So, so I, what, what do they need to know? They need to know, at least the way I was, when I was answering this in my own study, is how, what do they need to know? That God can help each and one of us forgive the, people, the person that has wronged us the most. You can. And I did it through my, my parents who I thought, really, you know, they, he, they had abandoned me. Um, why do they need to know this? It's, it's kind of going back to the same question. Why do they need to know this? You know, why do they need to know it? And why do they need, sorry, why do they need to know it? And why do they need to do it? You know, if we don't do it, then we don't have godliness in our character. Um, answering these four questions, you're kind of already knowing, okay, what's my next point? You know, and, and be, you know, it's, it's, you've made a sermon, you've made a sermon, you've had to rehearse for, for music, and the more you rehearse it, the more you come and put your, your mind to it, you don't have to kind of look back at your notes, you know what you're speaking about. You have it here. So these questions kind of help you in that aspect. Um, notes are good. People, you know, people, a lot of people use them. But answering these questions and going with the flow of it, why do they need to know? Why do they need to know it? Why do they need to do it? And why do they need to do Is it the same one? No, what do they need to do? Why do they need to do it? So answering these four questions will help you remember your message. It will, it will be engraved in here, right here. So if I did my homework well, let me just ask you, I, I potentially could have given you two bullets this, this morning, but there was one I wanted to get by. What do you think it was? Did I say something that has stuck to your mind? Which was? But there was a phrase that I mentioned there that I wanted, but go ahead. That was it. That was. And I probably didn't say it much, but I, I try to say it in the in in the in the moment of my sermon that that was the most powerful. You know, Jesus is looking at the disciples. Peter is saying, "Oh, I'm going to say seven. Jesus tells him seventy times seven. What was Jesus trying to say? Man can count the offenses, but God, grace does not. Boom. I, you know, for me that was. Probably the, the, the climax of my sermon. So I try to put it in there. Um, and there was another one which was um, forgiveness is costly. No, it, it, forgiveness is costly, but not forgiving is more costly. You know? Um, the one that you said today is, 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 is I've wondered about this my whole life. And that is when Christ is hanging on a cross and saying, forgive these people. For they do not know what they do, yeah. To me, that is a flow of human. Right, comprehension, yeah. I don't think a human being could do that. Right. I, I can't fathom mm-hmm. all forgiveness. Yeah, definitely. But, but the fact is that even though it's beyond human, he allows us to experience a certain extent of it, you know, by forgiving one another and our brothers and sisters and so forth. So, um, with that said, uh, these four questions... Uh, when tackled, now you're, you're putting your sermon. And remember, um, in classes before, we've talked about research and how to do research. You're looking at the context. You're repeating. You're, you're looking at, you know, different words that pop into your mind. And if you want to go ahead and research them and use websites and so forth. So you have a, you have a pile of information. And you know, it usually takes about, well, in school they tell you, a good sermon, a really, really good sermon. So you probably hear these all, you know, Doug Batchelor, Mark Filling, all these people. They've put a bit, about 32 plus hours in their sermons. That, you know, it takes, it takes a long time. Um, sorry? <laughs> but, but, you know, it can take more than that. But a good sermon takes, takes time. So you have this pile of information when you do this research that we've gone over. And, you're, and, and typically, this was me. I went, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning all these thing, th- things, 
And the teacher comes on and he says, I'm going to tell you something and I'm going to try to reteach everything you know about preaching. Because we were, we had preached before when I was sitting, you know, all of our classmates. He's like, first of all, don't start with your introduction. You're like, wait, what? That's the first thing you do. I don't know about you, but that's the first thing I want to think about. Introduction. He's like, don't think about your introduction. Leave that to the last. Your, introduc- your introduction and how you will finish, leave that last. And we were like, wait, what? Why? Why? Well, he says, because when you leave, when you start with your introduction, what happens is typically sometimes you try to fit, into, you try to fit the story into your sermon. And many times the, you're, you're trying to bridge in the story and the story is way off from what your sermon's all about. And I saw it. There were t- stories that I was wanting to say and tell sometimes didn't really match with my main point. And so he basically broke it down to us. He's like, you have all, all these re- research that you've, you've done. Make your sermon there first. And based on that, as, as you're working, as you're organizing yourself, God's going to give you stories, you know, oh, I remember this, that fit directly to your, to your sermon. And it, it, honestly, it, and it's amazing because usually you break your head, what story, what story, at least me, what can I fit, what can I fit? But you're studying and you're doing everything. Automatically, you're, you're looking at a point, oh, I have this story, and you write it down. And then it fits because you've, you've been studying whatever you need to study. Now, one of the things, and I did it today, and I apologize. I noticed I did it today. I don't know if you caught it, but I said, I'm going to finish with this story. And I kept going after the story. Um, I, I, you know, I, I remember when I said to you the, the crash landing type of thing, our, our teacher would always say, never crash land. You're not the only pastor that's guilty of no, but I, I, typically, I typically don't, because I know this, I typically try not to, you know? But today, I, first time I caught myself, I was like, oh, Marco, I'm preaching. I'm like, Marco, you're doing this. Which is, which is you, you say, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to end with this. That means you're coming, and you know, you're preparing the congregation. Okay, pastor's about to finish. And the next thing you know, zoo, you come in and you go back. And so after a while of doing that, many times, you know, as a communicator, I'm going to finish with this. People are going to start not believing you, you know. They're going to be like, okay, let's sit back maybe another 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, because we were getting all rid of the crayons and stuff like this. <laughs> right. So uh, avoid crash landing. And, and one of the mistakes is that um, we have a powerful sermon, and then you don't know how to end it. What are you going to do? So this is why the questions come about. The question is, why do they need to do it, you know? So I've been practicing this a little more, and it takes practice. You know, uh, preaching is an art. So preaching is an art. So after you've told them what the Bible says and what we need to do and, you know, try to tell, because preaching, and I'm, everyone's different, you know. Um, I've met preachers that I'm sitting in a pew, I'm like, wow, I would never say something like that. Because they're strong in what they're saying, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But my personality is more of a very tactful, very, you know, not calling them, you know, although the Spirit of Prophecy is called their, all, the, all them out for their sins, but I'm not going to go and say, oh, you, you're a liar, you know, of course. But there are people who tell you straight up, you know. And I remember growing up, a Dominican pastor, nothing wrong with Dominicans, by the way. I love them, and I have friends that are Dominican. And to the point. And Central Americans, which we are more, you know, kind of like very careful and things like that, that did not go along with us, you know. Yes, and we're going to go through that, yes.
does not, not just, just preach in the word, but they have to be able to apply it to their personal um, their life, yes. And, and that's why the, the last question is, and that's the closing, why do they need to do it? You know, that's the personal application. And um, it, it's actually, um, you know, it, it's hard to apply. Our, our teacher will always say something specific, okay? Something specific. So remember the first time we were learning this and we were preaching and he's like, we, you know, we, we, we applied it to the next time. I remember I was pre- uh, preaching about uh, finance, finances. College students love that, you know. We barely have money for food and so forth. So we're like, you know, next time you're, 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 you're low on money, um, have faith. That's an application, right? It's something. But he would come and say, you know, no, no, you have to be more specific. You have to be more specific. So tweeting, tweaking it a little bit, he, I would, then the next time it was when you're missing $5. You know, when you're missing $5 in your account and you don't know what to do. That's very specific. I'm saying $5. Now, someone can relate to that. Maybe not 5 but that's, I'm giving a number out. So someone can relate to that now. And that's what you need. You need to, to be more. And, and you know, as, as a communicator, I think that's one of the hardest things to do, finding an application that, that kind of fits, you know. Um, today, what I try to do is I try to do two, which was who's on your mind right now, you know. I could have been probably more specific. Is it, is it, is it your brother? Is it your sister? You know, is it a friend, a coworker? That's more specific. Perhaps I could have done that. You know, or, 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 and then the other, the other one, which was, you know, sometimes you're not going to get a sorry back. But you still have to, you know, connect with God. I mean, that's a little specific. That's something I also had to do in my life, you know, with my friend. Until this day, I've never got a sorry. But it's okay. I've made my peace with God, you know. So, yes, application has to be detailed. Um, and, and, and I think I made this example. What sounds better? I'm preaching about uh, prayer, right? I'm preaching about prayer, the importance of prayer. Um, you know, body, you got the introduction, the body, the reasons why it's important. And then my last thing, my application. Why is it so important that I just told you that prayer is important, right? So I, told you, I tell you because it helps your relationship with God. It will help you in your marriage. It will help you with your loved ones. That's detail right but now my challenge to you now is go ahead and do it you know um why do they need to do it why because if you don't i could either say this is an application and let me see which one you tell me which one sounds better we're talking about prayer right let's say and i'm saying dear brothers and sisters you know make it this week that you spend time with god Spend time with God to revive yourself, to let the Holy Spirit in, to, to enjoy yourself, you know, to, to have peace in your life and so forth. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just making this up, right? That's A, A, B. I'm making an application. I'm closing in. Dear brothers and sisters, take this week. You may be asking yourself, how long, Pastor? Take five minutes. In your closet. Pray about someone. Pray for someone. Pray for yourself. You, you see, that five minutes was even, that, that you know, I, to me, I feel like it's more applicable. Oh, five minutes. Saying pray, you can pray. But the pastor said, oh, the, you know, the elder said, five minutes. I can do five minutes. But it's a challenge that is doable and that, you know, people can do. So, so the more specific we are in what we're challenging our congregation to do, the better results you'll get. I mean, that's what, you know, the, all these, my teacher and all these big preachers kind of advise young preachers to do. And, and, you, and if you notice, you listen to a sermon, they're very detailed. You know, you, you talk about Billy Graham, uh, Graham and uh, I listen to um, his Dwight, um, Henry, Henry Wright. Um, you know, I listen to uh, Sean Boonstraw and, and all these people, they're, their callings are very detailed and stuff like that. So the more detail we are in what we want them to go home with, um, the more it's going to be engraved here. Um, 
and set things that are doable. You know, if I were preaching to the same congregation week after week after week, mm-hmm. is there any adjustments that you make? Because I've always been a believer in reserving the big hammer. You can't drop the big hammer on your on your congregation every week. No, because then they don't. The big hammer becomes the little hammer. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be some adjustments that you make. So you're not dropping the big hammer week after week after week. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think that's a good a good observation there. Um, it also, I think it's it's who you are as a person as well. Um, where, like I said, the Dominican pastor of mine, it was who he was. He he was a dropping the hammer. I mean, he believed in that, you know. Yeah, and there's some pastors that can do that with every sermon that they give because they have a different congregation. You know, um, these pastors like Billy Graham or others that go and they have a different congregation, they can drop a hammer every week. Right. But I don't see, I, I think it uh, becomes ineffective after sure. a while. Sure, sure. And, and, and I think that's why um, the pastor and we were counseled to do have a variety of sermons. You can't just preach about uh, prophecy, you know, or right, right. Uh, you have to have a variety. Absolutely. And so... Um, we're going to get to that right now, which is the types of sermons. So you have expository, but in expository, you also have story narrative sermons where it's different. So when you're doing an expository sermon, you have a, you know, you're explaining the verse by, you know, you're, and you're applying it at the same time. So we're talking about Matthew 18, 20, 21, Peter, you make an application after you explain what it means, you apply it, you know? But then you have stories like Joseph. That's a narrative story. It's a story. So how do you how do you how do you preach that? How what are the the things? And so um, let me give you a. Do I have it here? No, I don't. You have. Give me a second. Southern. There's, there's five things that you have to consider when you're preaching a story. Uh, let me find it here, Southern Classes, Winter. Here it is. Sorry, give me a second. Here it is. Is it this one? There's a preacher that I heard while you're looking it up that's very effective. I think it's, uh, you ever hear of a preacher named Rojas? I think his name Rojas, is. yeah. Pastor, oh, he's amazing, yeah. Yeah, he's just, talk about riveting. Nobody goes to sleep in his sermons. Mm, mm. Check it out. Check it out. Man, he eats your lunch every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he plays yeah. that 12-string guitar. I'm sorry, gentlemen here. I'm looking for the... Yeah, big one. He's very effective. He is. Well, I can't find it now. I had it here. That's the thing with technology. Um, I had it ready for you all, but... It was an example of, so, so Carl, Carl talked about um, writing down your sermon. There's benefits to that because you know the flow of it. It helps you see, at least personally, it helps you see if you're making sense. You know, if you're making sense. Some others, like for example, I can think of Doug Batchelor. He has an outline, you know. He has bullets where... I'm going to talk about this, and he, be, you know, he knows what he's going to talk about. He's more of a type of flow, you know, like whatever comes to mind at the moment, you know. But he knows where he's going. That's an outline that's based with bullets. Um, the pastor that I'd mentioned, Henry Wright, he's more of a manuscript. You, you can see that he's flipping his manuscript, you know, his written form there. But he goes off his sermon as well. But um, when I write it, man, you know, when I write it, it helps me know. Okay, am I making sense? So there is a benefit to it. Um, I think you just have to find your niche, what is best for you. But definitely, you know, I asked 
there's a pastor, I don't know if you've heard, Buyong. Very, he's like the Mark Finley uh, for the Hispanics. How, did, how is it that you know your sermon so well? Like, you don't even take notes. He just opens his Bible and he starts preaching. He's like, well, Marco, that, what, you don't, what you don't know is that I've preached that sermon more than once. That's what I'm saying. More than once, and every time I have to make adjustments. And I mean, he's an evangelist. He preaches, you know, and they make sure that, he, that he's not recorded so people don't see it always on YouTube. But, you know, you perfect it. And he, he also said, you know, don't expect, and this is something else, that it's hard for me because, you know, you always want to give the best for God, of course. Um, he's, like, he's like, don't forget that not all your sermons are going to hit home. Yeah. Not all your sermons. Thing of this, when you that type of a preacher who preaches the same sermon over and over, it's difficult to keep the passion in that sermon without reciting it. Mm. You know, if you're just reciting it and you're regurgitating up the words, it's not nearly as effective if you can maintain the passion right in that, in that sermon. No, and, and he does a very good job. I mean, he he's known. I mean, he's he's baptized thousands. He's he's really known. Um, he's like Rojas 10 times better, in my opinion, but in Spanish. He doesn't know English. He makes people cry. I mean, that guy opens the Bible, and he has you on tears. Um, but, but he was basically saying, you, you're going to preach, like you were saying, to the same congregation for how many, how many Sabbaths do you have in a, a year? In a year? 52. 52. He's like, all your 52 sermons are not going to be powerful. Because it takes time, one, and you know, as a, as I, what I try to do in my, and, and I think this is personal too. I try not to repeat sermons. Um, pastors do some, you know, but I try because there's sometimes that there's rapid people that come here, and so I want to, I want them to be blessed with another message. So I'm constantly trying to, you know, figure something out. Lord, what is it that you want me to speak? And not just that, you know, I've been counseled. Make sure that your wife doesn't always hear the same thing. She also is, you know, part of the church that needs to be blessed by, by the sermon. So he, he basically, you know, he's like, expect that not all 52 weeks are going to be a great weeks. You're always going to have those that are okay, but, you know, you, you still got to press on. You still got to keep, you know, working on your sermons and so forth. Sometimes, uh, you know, I make adjustments. Right. Um, but and try to have the same type of enthusiasm and of this the message because you have to be convicted of the, the message that you're preaching. Right. Right. You have to preach that sermon to yourself first. You have to believe it. You have to be convicted of it. Right. And so when you deliver it, it is delivered in such a compassionate and powerful way. And sometimes the power of the word is not even you speaking. Mm -hmm. It is now the Holy Spirit that is going to make impressions on somebody else, somebody's heart. Sometimes I think what we do is, or what happens is that we try to measure the, the impact of a message by the amount of people who say, you know, that was a good sermon. There could be just one person in that congregation or in that audience. That, that message was tailored. Right, right. You know, so. No, and, and, and I think it's true. It's true. It's not about how many, and that's the thing, and without respect here, it's, you know, I've also been counseled, don't, the moment you start, you, st you start hearing, it's a good sermon, you don't want that as a communicator. You want to hear, that sermon is going to change my life. You know, that, that's the point of, of, of communicating. I'm not saying that, you know, it, it, it's nice to hear it's a good sermon, but it, it would it'd be better and you know you did your job as a communicator with God's help. You know, that touched me. You know, I needed that. You know, um, and, and, and it's true. It's true. Um, have you, you, you've spoken. Have, have you spoken? Or maybe a concert, right? 
where, where you just like, this, and this is, has happened to me, where you just like, man, I butchered that sermon. <laughs> you know, that, that concert, I, I, that song. And out of nowhere, like you're saying, someone comes and Move says, it's like, that or, or someone comes and says, thank you, I needed that. And I'm like, I thought it was horrible. And, and it, when, I was, when I was younger, I'm like, I'm never preaching again like that. Like, you know, I'm not preaching anymore type of thing. But, but it, it's also, it's, it's a, I think God allows us to have those experiences to, to keep us humble. Because if you're always hearing, it's a good sermon. Oh, you know, that, that, as a human, that gets to your head. And, or, you know, as a concert, you're always playing. You know, those moments keep you humble. I found what I was. The concert is called a train wreck. A <laughs> train wreck. So there is, when you're preaching narrative, you're preaching on Joseph, for example. You have your introduction. So, so the story is basically like uh, rising action. So you're preaching and you, you have to kind of create the story, right? So you have your rising action. And then once you have your rising action, you have your climax, right? So the climax of uh, it's Joseph's story, what would it be? What would be the, what would be the rising, cli- actually, action? sermon where he didn't enslave his brothers where again that's almost unbelievable that he would not have done that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so the rise in action it's like a movie have you ever seen a movie it has the climate's him getting thrown into prison well, the rising him. action yeah that's thrown into prison and it's, it's that right that's the way up in the prison and then from the prison eventually he gets out to, the, to see the pharaoh mm-hmm. this is the rising action yeah the rising action would the be when he's is, is almost at the point if you're telling the full story criticized by his brothers and his father for having these dreams of them bowing down to him and then all of a sudden you know here later his brothers are in front of him bowing down to him right coming to get grain that must have been a mind blower right there. so 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 you see you right now you just created a narrative sermon so you're, in your sermon you're going to skip all the other details that you didn't that go in between right and so you're, you're you're now going to talk about those big points you know the rise in action he's being sold so he, he's at, at, at uh, Pharaoh, uh, not Pharaoh, um, Potiphar. Potiphar, and then he goes into jail, he becomes the second in command, and then that is the, the climax, I also do believe, where, where he's there, he sees his brothers, you know, and stuff. So, so then you, you basically create your sermon, and you have the, we, we were taught that we have, you have the ability to, to, you know, of course, you do commentaries and so forth, but be creative, be creative. I have a sermon, and I don't know if I should say it here because I want to preach it here too. Um, Psalms 23. And I mean, it, I love, I did it narrative. Okay, so, so what I did was I start with David. And I, you know, I just thought back. What would, how, how was it that David wrote the Psalms? What was going through his mind when he's penning Psalms 23? So well, he was a shepherd. No, to Psalms 23 now is he's a king. He's writing it when he's now a king. Yeah, but he had been a shepherd. Right, right, right. But it's like wh- I, I preach the sermon as, as him writing it, you know? What was his experience like? So I begin like, I, I begin, he's, 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 in, he's in his palace looking at all his kingdom. And he's just thinking, wow. And suddenly from afar off, he sees a young man going to the hills being a shepherd. And he just goes back into his mind. And right before he forgets the, the inspiration that he's, he's having, uh, he, he tells his, 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 his servant, hey, give me a pen and paper because I don't want to forget what I'm writing. I'm going to write a song. He goes, and you know, that's how I begin the sermon. It's a, I'm telling the story of what his experience could have been. So, so you know, and when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm coming and I'm kind of rising the tension here. And how, how do I do it? I take when, when you know, when... when when he's saying, and I'm just giving you an example so you can see um, Psalms 23 here. He starts to pen, you know, and I, I'm putting the imagery there uh, in the sermon to the, to the audience. I want them to, to also be there with me as, as I'm describing this. Um, and I'm saying, and he's thinking, Lord, all these thoughts, you know, I'm, this is what I kind of remember of a sermon here. Um, he's thinking, Lord, how do I start? How, how can I describe my experience with you when, I, you were, when you were my shepherd? 
because he's still seeing that young boy far off, and, and he's getting, you know, his heart starts to raise because he's, you know, he's getting excited, and he wants to write this song, but he doesn't know how to start, and he's thinking, and he's going back and forth, back and forth, and until he remembers, he sits down, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes, that's it. The Lord is my shepherd. So, and basically, I tell the story as he's writing it. And you I've written many songs. That is the hardest part of the song. The beginning. The beginning. Yeah. That's the hardest part. The rest of it comes, but then how do you start it? Mm. Is, and then the hook is difficult, but how do you start the story? Right. That's, that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I do it that way with the story because in a way it's also, I think, compared to music because with stories, the hardest part, I believe, is starting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the introduction, how you're going to start because that's... That's it, you know, that, that the thing that you want to hook them with. So I go with the sermon, this narrative sermon. I'm, I'm creating this rising action, you know. I'm, I'm, he's, he's writing, he makes me lay down in green pasture, and I'm kind of describing how he felt and what memory was going through his mind when he's writing these words. All right, I'm telling that story there. And then I'm creating that rising action, and the climax would be, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He suddenly comes, and, and I, you know, I say this, he, he looks back. And, and, and he can't hold his tears anymore. He remembers the time when Saul was persecuting him. You know, and I get a little emotional there because I want to feel what he was feeling. You know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, he's blending. It's wonderful because he's blending his experience as a shepherd. And now he's pulling in his experience as a king. Yes, yes. So he's blending those. I never be leaving me with something. Yeah, yeah, it's, definitely. It's going to make a wonderful sermon. Absolutely. So we're going to have to write you down for one. So, so I, I, I do it in such a way that I'm creating this, this, this climax, which I do believe is in, in five, you know. He, it's there. He's finally able to see when Samuel said, you are the anointed one. He's there now. And now his enemies are no more. You, know, you create this story, this narrative, you know, this rising action. And the climax is there. And he says, I, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overruns, you know, and, and all that. Well, actually, I think I, I will start in verse 4 with the, with the tension, youth. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I fear no evil, for you are with me. I mean, that there just, you know, you, you hit it hard. So you create this rising and you, you have the climax and then the solution to the problem. What was the solution to the problem? That God, you know, God, it, it was God who anointed him. It was God who runs his, his cup overflowing. He's the one that um, has mercy and all these things. I mean, that, that's the solution to all his problem. It was the shepherd. It was the king of kings. And then you have the solution to the problem. You have the fat falling action, which he finally realizes that because Christ is a shepherd, he has everything he needs. You know, that, all of that, and then the bullet, and then, so, so it, it's basically the same thing. You have, when you create a narrative sermon, you have a, you need to create this rising action, okay, based on the story. After that, you have the climax, and, you know, with prayer, and you're looking at the, the, the text, you, you're going to see where the climax, climax is. You can go to commentaries for that, and then what's the solution to the problem? And after you figure that out, you go into the falling action, Okay, and I did mine. There's another narrative story that I have on the prodigal son, all right? We have the story, it's a parable, of course, right? But I kind of told it in the experience of the son, how he felt going through all those, you know, those emotions that he felt, him asking, how, what was the father feeling? What was the son, you know, the older son feeling? The Bible doesn't tell us that. But, but we can kind of use our mind and kind of, you know, you know, tweak a little. And, and of course, always say, this is, this is what I believe was like. And sometimes Spirit of Prophecy kind of enlighten us, enlightens us of what's going on. So, for example, the, another example of the prodigal son. I began with the introduction, uh, telling the story of the two fathers, and then... You see, the way I'm, I'm, I'm going to, how, I, how I, I was applying the rising action was through my, through my research. So I found out, researching this story, 
that whenever in those times, the culture in those times, whenever you asked your father for your inheritance, was basically telling your father, hey, I want you dead. And, and you know, that's through research. So now I have something to add to my story. You know, this kid is asking his dad to die. Because it was, it was a time when you actually got your inheritance in that culture, when the father passed away. The father, what does he do? He says, fine, that's okay. And, you know, you keep going the story. The story says that the father saw him and he started running and he clothed him with, you know, his robe. Culturally, in those days, the head of the home, it was an insult, a humiliation for them to run. They had to always walk like this. So you see the picture here. Now I'm making my story. You see, that's a climax right there. He was willing to be humiliated, disrespected by him running because his son was there. You see, you see how the, uh, uh, it, that would be the climax. And so you have this as you read on what's culturally in that era and stuff like that. But you don't get that here. But people that were listening to Jesus, they know this. They know this. So when you do your research and you find all those things, now you can create your story. So, for example, the rising action for me, I will talk about how the young son wasted his precious years of youth and the pleasures of the world. The climax, the climax of the story is when, he, when the land is hit with a famine and, so, uh, and the younger son loses everything. The love uh, the father has for him makes him realize his de- desperate need to the father. Solution to the problem, the son will return to the father and beg for forgiveness. Father covers him with clothes of his own and gives him a feast. The falling action, older son gets angry and does not understand his uh, father's action. Resolution, father explains to the son how the son was lost and now he is found. Leaves the story unfinished. And I don't know if you ever caught this, but when I was doing research, I was like, wow. See, leaves the story unfinished so those who are like older sons can make their decisions on how they will act to the younger brothers. The story never tells us the end. You look at the prodigal son story, you never hear the end. And it was for that reason. Jesus wants us who are in the church, how are we going to treat those that are younger brothers who go away and squander their life? My bullet, my bullet for this was, it's more than street living or church going but about a relationship with Christ. Um, And so I created this rising action, climax, solution to the problem, falling action, but I did it in such a way that I wanted, I I pictured what it would have been like being the prodigal son, the father, and the older son. And the research that I was able to do helped me kind of pinpoint, you know. Um, There's this scene that I think would be my climax here when, the son realizes and he's back in town and he sees and You know, this is part of the sermon that I preach. I, I go and I explain. The son is, you know, uh, he's not recognizable. He has a beard. Uh, you know, he's dirty. He has ripped pants. I create this image of a, of a homeless person, right? He steps into the, into the front of the, uh, of, the, of the house and he remembers that brick white wall with blue doors. That was his home once. He's standing there. The guard that was at in front of his, his, his um, now I'm trying to remember the story here. So I, picked, I paint this picture when he's standing there in front of his house, his, you know, where his father lives and what he will think and how, how, how was he feeling, you know? Right. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the importance of variety, you know. Um, 
I'm just letting you know this so that you can know, okay, we can preach narrative. And it's all about finding where you, you know, because if we have Bob or we have um, Rick, Carl, and, and, and um, Terry here, you all will preach different according to your personalities, according to, you know, all that. So, well, so, give you a nice love story. You love <laughs> so, 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 and, and you know, and now that he called you out, Bob, Bob may be the one that's, you know, uh, someone preaching, like you're saying, like Walter Pearson. Uh, Rick may be someone like my Dominican pastor here, you know, but, but they're, getting, they're getting variety, right? They're getting a variety of, of sermons. I'm not saying that's you. I know, I know that's not you. <laughs> knowing, your, knowing your personality, I don't think that's you, right? Um, so, so, but you see, if we each preach diff- uh, different in each Sabbath, people are hearing different sermons. So that's where you're, you know, it comes in where you're saying, we, can always do, we can't always do the hammer. Um, and Jesus did it. You know, he, did it. He, always, he hammered on who he needed to, but he was also soft-spoken and, and so forth. Um, I want to say this before we close as well. Um, you know, we—I remember that class. It was—it was probably the funniest class we had with that with the teacher, Doctor Lake. He was going to teach us, and I think it's with music as well. Usually, when you hear a, a preacher, many years, their voice is kind of um, how do you kind of raspy. Right? I think a singer does too. When they use their voice for years, it's raspy. And he's like, you know why? It's because they never speak from their, their, um, their stomach. And we were like, we what? It's like, and he's like, just to experiment. I'm, we're not going to do it here. Get, get on your back. And we got on our backs, you know, on our desks there. It's like, breathe. Most of us, you know, we, we breathed. And this would go up. And he's like, you see, you're not breathing from your bottom. And so he had us do this exercise. He called it the lake effect where, um, and, and you can probably, I think Aristotle would say that he would, he would um, put rocks in his, in his mouth just to pronounce the words correctly and stuff. So we had all these type of exercise where, I'm not going to do it close to the mic here. <clears throat> Where you have to, you know, you have to go. All, you know, it was it was hilarious, um, just to get your your mouth um, warmed Sing, up. Singers do the same thing. Yeah, that's what I, you know. I, I I figured that, and we had to learn. We we had to do this thing called it was the lake effect, where it's like ah 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 because you're using this, you know, um, because then you're projecting your voice. So why do I say this? Because just like sermons. We need to have a variety of how we use our voice. Um, we, was, we, we made fun of one of our friends because, you know, you're young, we're young and stuff. You, you tease around, right? He, and we would critique each other, all right? And it was, it was good critique. It was not to make someone feel horrible. It was just, listen, man, you, you want to improve? He, he would preach, and he was very monotone. How you guys? How you doing? Um, he stayed in one pitch the whole time. Oh, monotone. Pitched, and and oh man, we we ate him alive. <laughs> we but you know that that guy after four years being with him and studying with him and being in class, I mean you you each including myself, you can see the growth of you know being together and you know criti- uh, criticizing each other, you know not not to diminish each other but to help each other criticism construct them yeah criticism and and it was it's a variety so he would say you know if you're reading a verse emphasize things you're, you're saying god you know or get low when you're telling a soft story like you know let's when you preach and communicate use a variety of things you know you can do it comes from here yeah it comes naturally that monotone comes because you're speaking out of here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we had to learn that um, because it's, you know, you're used, because you're talking, basically, when you're communicating. Um, and there's a thing, he would tell us, listen, if you're monotone, eventually, I mean, not just being, you being monotone, but if you're monotone, most likely most of the people will be sleeping. You know, but you wake them up, 
you know, shout or something. Not shout, but, you know, uh, raise your voice. Have a variety of, of things that you're, you're saying, you know. Emphasize your bullet if you're going to say a bullet. Emphasize, you know, uh, when you're, and he says know, know when to do it, when not to. Because if I'm telling a sad story, I'm not going to go high pitch and be like, the person was crying. You know, that it's more, and tears were, you know how I just got low there. Tears were in her eyes and just scrolling down. I mean, you know, we have to use our mind there to go up and down. I think you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say the most intelligent people that I've heard speak frequently speak in a monotone voice. Mm. I don't know why, but it seems like the higher the intellect, the more that monotone comes out. <laughs> seen that frequently. What? Another thing, with, with voice, so uh, remember, and, and, and I usually practice at home, you know, speaking, speaking and telling the stories or whatever. Um, so in that, you know, um, and also I think it helps that we record our sermons so we can go back and listen to each other. I cringe when I do. If you have the stomach to listen to yourself. Yeah, I... I <laughs> I definitely cringe. I'm like, I sound like that. I'm so sorry for oh, my church members. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it helps you know, okay, maybe I should have said it a, a little more softer or it, sound, it sounds like I'm a little angry here. You know, that helps develop and, and, and shape you as, as a person. Another thing that I want to mention here before we close um, that's part of preaching, it's not just the sermon speaking, it's, it's also uh, the variety of tone you use and also your, your hand gestures. Okay, um, they told us this. They 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 basically say, in, as a preacher, as a communicator, especially in church, you're never supposed to go this way. Because and we were like, why? Because this is a sense of authority. I'm above you, type yeah. of thing. You may not know this, but you know, as a preacher, they teach you these things. Um, you know, this this is and and sometimes I do it sometimes, but this this here they would teach us. They would tell us no. Never do this. Because it's, it's a source of distraction sometimes. Um, I do it because I'm comfortable, right? And probably you do it because you're comfortable, right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I catch myself sometimes, but because I've been taught this, and I'm not saying if you do this, you know, you're going to cause some sort of distraction, but it's about, you know, making sure that they're, they're, they're not... Um, you did something today that I've never seen done before, but I really liked it. Mm -hmm. You sat on the stage and talked. I like that because it felt like you were not talking down to us; you were talking with us. Mm. And just and I wouldn't do it all the time, but I mean, uh, but you mixed it in with the other gestures that you had. You sat there and you and you talked to us, not mm. over us. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Well, it can be very something like that can be very effective at connecting. Absolutely. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, think about when you talk to a little kid if you're really trying to yeah, you squat down, reach them, or You know, I probably should probably start speaking from here then. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm talking down on you all. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I'm just saying that. Right, right. Using, you, you essentially are using, you can use that as a tool. Exactly. In, in a specific circumstance when you're really trying to make a, it's a point. Just like yeah. you bring your voice down. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's if a lot of it, if you, if you think back to, to music, I mean, if, if anybody was in choir, when I was in choir down at the academy, I haven't been in choir since high school, but when we were in choir there, you know, songs have softer parts and louder parts. parts to get the emotion, to, yeah. You're trying to get more energetic, more emotion. Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. building the tension through the song, and then it has its climax. Right, right. right. And I think in essence, it's the same thing with speaking, communicating, where... Right, exactly. where, where you know, you want to emphasize what, 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 what's important and you want to, you know, tell a sad story, you got to go low. And I think that was also because I was trying to, you know, I was talking about Jesus was sitting with them and he's looking, you know, that's why I did that as well. So, yes. If you were to be down here all the time, it would become normal. Right. But that would lose its, it. You, would, you it wouldn't have that. Passe. Oh, I see what you're saying. It would become passe, you know. Um, you need to be up there. Mm. But then come to our level occasionally. I think it's great. Sure, sure. Thank you for that. Um, so yes, uh, but also the hand gestures. Um, 
you know, it, 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 I think it depends on the preacher, but we were counseled. Um, he, there was a word we, he would say, don't hog the pulpit. That's up to the, the people, the person communicating. Don't hog, because I've heard stories of, oh, I don't like that preacher because he just moves up and down, up and down. Like, he, take it, you know, relax. But he, they, we, taught, we, we were taught, don't hog the pulpit. Don't, you know, move out, you know, move out. It doesn't ha- always have to be that way. I think it's just a personality type of thing. I, I walk, you know. There's others. Um, it's what a person's comfortable with. Yes, yes. Otherwise, it's mechanical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, hand gestures, too. Um, that we were also taught, and, you know, I think they have their reasons. Never, never point. Because I think it's kind of a confrontational, and you see all these big evangelical, not evangelical evangelists, Mark Finley, for example. He doesn't point; he does this. You know, that's that's so they 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 teach you all these hand gestures, you know, not to point like this, uh, but you know, to do this or or to do this, something like that, you know, uh, but never like that, because it kind of. Yeah. Um, so watch your another thing with communication. Watch your hands. What are you doing with them? Don't do this because it's going to cause a distraction. But if you're saying, you know, the Lord's, you know, for example, I said the vertical. You know, I was vertical, you know, horizontal, and I did this, right? So, but I'm not doing horizontal. I'm doing it as horizontal. I'm doing it, you know, congruent with what I'm saying. Because uh, a bad gesture will kind of throw your, your, your audience away, you know? Just distract. Yeah, distraction, yeah. So we, we want to limit that. Um, one of the biggest distractions, I think, and, you know, it, it happens, um, it's, it's also the noise with kids. We can't control that. You know, kids are kids. They always be. But you, we have to learn to stay on, on what we're saying. And, and sometimes it can be difficult. But, hey, you know, what can we do about that, right? And nowadays, it's the cell phone. Oh, the cell phone, yes, yes. So, uh, Pitch voice, learn how to variety, you know, don't, don't stay just in one. Um, uh, hand movements as well, do them if you can. If you're, you know, I try to avoid this, but eventually I do it. I caught myself today, by the way. I did this. I was like this. I was like, oh, I'm preaching. Like, oh, I'm doing it, am I? So, well, you know, but, but you don't know that's what goes to my mind. Um, it's just... I have the teacher still telling me, hey, don't do that. Um, but honestly, it's, it's a form of just relaxing, you know. Um, so narrative sermons, remember, you have to um, rise it, um, the climax, the problem, and then the falling action, and then the solution to the sermon. And you can get creative. Um, try to do variety of sermons. Uh, try to preach narrative. Try to do storytelling. Uh, all these things, and we're going to do it because we're trying to do sermon series now. So we've been kind of doing it, uh, you know, I, I guess there's more doctrine now, but we're going to get into narrative. We're going to start talking about the great stories of the Bible, you know, Jacob, Joseph, all these things. And so we're going to be challenged to preach stories, uh, sermon stories, and so forth. Um, Going back to it, there's four things. There's four questions. Four questions that help us. And with this, I finish, and I will. Uh, four questions to know um, when preaching to help you memorize what you're preaching. So remember, let's see. How? Um, what's my opening line? Uh, what? What do they need to know? Why do they need to know it? What do they need to do? And why do they need to do it? Okay? Those are the four questions that um, help us remember our message. Um, And it's about opening, transition, main point, transition out, and finish. So what do they need to know would be your opening uh, what do they need to know it? Uh, why do they need to know it? Will be your transition in. Uh, your main point: What do they need to do? Uh, what do they need to do? And your transition out would be: Why do they need to do it? Um, and then you finish with a calling, with a challenge, and a specific way. In a specific way, 
Alright, and remember the bullets. Bullets, bullets, bullets are always important. Um, that summarizes your whole sermon. And people remember that at least. And you, if, if they do remember, at least you know you've done your job as a speaker. That God will work with that one statement the way he was, he's going to want them in their lives. So, were you here when, when we talked, to, when I asked the bullet? I think you were, a little, you, you were out. Just let me ask I you. I missed the last two, so. I said two statements that could have been the bullet. Do you, were you here when we talked about bullets? I was here when you talked about bullets. Do you remember or think about what could have been one bullet that I said? Me from today. From today. From today, Rick. Today, yeah. Not right now. You're saying from the sermon today? Yeah. If not, that's okay. I mean, you know, it's fine. It just, no, I, I, need, to do, I need to do better. It's not, it's not on you there. Because if I was clear, you would have known. Or, or, or you weren't here the other time. But, you know, you, you, t- you, t- you told from me about... Week. Yeah, from last, from last week. week. It's okay. I think if I say it, you'll probably remember. Um, uh, man can count offenses. But grace does not. That, that was one. So, um, remember, try to come up with bullets. And usually, sometimes you're reading, something's going to stick. Oh, that sounds like a bullet. Use it. So, was, it, was that thought an original thought? No, that was actually from a reading that was inspired. So, so I, I, I looked at it, I was like, ah, oh, that's a bullet. I took it out. So, any questions? Um, next time we'll be talking about, we're, we're going to go over this, and I'm going to have some questions for you all. So, any questions? No, not a test. <laughs> not a test. Um, it, Any any other questions? No, well, I, you know, I think this, this series has been good. Um, I, I just think the whole um, uh, workshop is, is actually just to kind of to, to stimulate us um, to because um, all of this is ministry, you know, yep. to, to improve and to make better our ministry uh, for the gospel, the kingdom of God. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything that can help us be more intentional yeah. about how we're presenting stuff, I think it's excellent. Another thing that um, I wanted to mention, and we're going to talk about that next time, but just, just to leave you um, thinking. You know, and this is something I'm learning also, and they teach you in school. Speak so people can listen. There's two things that a communicator needs to do for people to listen. And that is, first... For, before you even speak up front as a leader, and we're here, we're all leaders in some way, you need to show them you care. You need to show them you care. The second thing, you need to believe on it, what you're preaching, what you're communicating. When people realize that you care, genuinely, not just, oh, I want people, you know, manipulating that, that, people, I mean, as humans, we can tell who's, who's genuine, who's not, or at times, right? When we, when we communicate, knowing that, you know, I care for this person and I believe what I'm, I'm speaking on, people listen. Jesus did that. He fed their needs, and then he, he spoke. And the Bible says that he spoke with authority. I mean, he believed in what he spoke. So those two things, and you mix in uh, what we've been learning We'll, we'll get people listening. Well, if you raise somebody from the dead, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Yes, yes. That, that's a good bullet right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, thank you for your feedback. Um, if, if there's anything that I can do better, um, please let me know. I, you know I, I think we're here to help each other, and um, I know I have a lot of growth to do. Um, I'm starting off, and, um, you know, I just... Sometimes I feel like I don't know. Well, I don't know everything, but I, I wish I could be more experienced in other ways. So let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, whenever we do a concert, and Rick, you'll remember this, uh, I always used to say, I think I, think I smell tar heating up. 
remember the tar and feathers. You know, I'm always, oh, always right. concerned. How good was the performance? I don't smell tar and feathers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, ultimately, Lord, if we don't have your Holy Spirit, then we will not be effective. So, Father, we've, we, we know we have these theories and what to do, how to research, but, Lord, at the end, if we're not filled with your Spirit, it is for no good. So, Father, help us be filled with your Spirit and apply all these things so our, our, our communication, our, 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 our preaching can be that which convicts the hearts of men. So help us, Father, be better communicators and let us learn the science of it, Lord. Keep growing to become good communicators that people know that we care and that we believe in what we say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be talking about that, how to preach so people can listen.